Welcome to the Von Nelson Podcast. With me today is CEO and CIO Chris Wallace. Welcome, Chris. Good to be here, Dan. Chris, it's good to have you back. Uh, been a couple of weeks since we've got together. Um, and this morning, jobs reports came out. And, and to say the least, they were certainly a big disappointment. Um, jobs came out at, at 235,000 uh, with the expectation at 720,000. Um, so a huge miss. Uh, Biden came out and said it's related to the Delta variant. Uh, my question for you, do you is, do you think this is a true reflection of what's taking place or is there something more? No, I don't think it has anything to do with the Delta variant. Uh, we just got to keep in mind, we've been talking about growth slowing for uh, several months now, and it started in industrials, moved to services, and that growth slowdown is now fully global. Uh, and we're seeing that and now casts for GDP that are declining fairly significantly. And I think we mentioned uh, in the last few weeks that we'd start to see a slowdown in the employment data. Uh, part of that was we saw a big surge in prior months because of the expiration of enhanced unemployment benefits uh, from the COVID pandemic. Um, but the weakness that I think President Biden was pointing to, and a lot of pundits are going to point to, was the weakness in hiring in leisure and hospitality, and they're going to pin that on the Delta variant with COVID, and that couldn't be further from the truth. What we've done is we've ended vacation season, um, and so the reopening associated with leisure activity is over. Um, people are going back to school, and business travel hasn't picked up. Um, the anticipated improvement in business travel, um, I think, is not it, – it's slowed down, A, because of – um, uh, a slowdown in corporations reopening offices, but the reality is it's just structural changes in the way business is being done, and that weakness is going to be with us for some time. Um, you know, August weakness isn't unusual. Um, August is one of the weakest employment months relative to estimates. Uh, we should see an improvement in September. It has to do with the, the calendar of when the expiration of the remaining uh, enhanced unemployment benefits occur. Uh, the next employment data will capture uh, the expiration of those benefits. So I think we'll see a bit of an improvement in September relative to August. Uh, but the weakness is with us, and the economic weakness is going to be with us uh, on an ongoing basis. There is no indication that the slowdown in economic activity is starting to stabilize. If anything, we're getting even further evidence that um, weakness is, is going to continue through the end of the year and into early 2022 for sure. You know, interesting enough, you know, despite the weaknesses that you describe and, and despite the, the uh, employment report this morning, um, the S&P hasn't, hasn't moved. And so am I, am I thinking about this right, um, or is there some other indicator that I should be homing, homing in on um, in reaction to this jobs number? Yeah, you know, when you look at I, what I think is you know, just – I think the market has done a wonderful job globally of pricing in this slowdown, and we've seen it with the sovereign yield curves. And what we're seeing is, you know, persistent inflation pressures, and while the inflationary pressures to the upside have abated – the underlying inflationary conditions are still pretty well supported. So um, we would anticipate those to slow down. And, and the global yield curves reflect that. We've seen a flattening across the board. Um, but when you look at the large U.S. equity indices, the S&P um, and the NASDAQ, that strength and that consistent hitting new highs is really masking underlying weakness in cyclical areas. And so we've seen a lot of weakness in emerging markets up until the last probably week to 10 days. We've seen a lot of weakness in small caps, really, for the entire quarter. Um, and, that you know, the more cyclical the areas are in these smaller capitalizations, the weaker it's been. 
Uh, we've seen a bit of a reversal in that for the last several days, but I think that really reflects uh, large market neutral funds trying to neutralize some of their beta risk relative to extending their long. So we've seen some short covering in the last week, and that could pre prove to be a head fake, or it could be the market starting to discount that this slowdown is going to be so significant um, that the Fed's going to have to reverse course. And certainly we've always said that the Fed is behind the curve, but they're behind the curve and that they're talking about tightening and they'll need to be loosening. So don't be lulled into complacency by the stability of the large indices. They're dominated by the large recurring revenue tech companies. Um, and quite frankly, those companies behave like utilities now. And in fact, they behave more like the tenure did uh, two years ago from a flight of safety standpoint. Um, and so that masks the underlying volatility for sure. Yeah, and, and so as, as you're describing the situation, we're, we're heading here into Labor Day weekend and you know, most Major U.S. indices are up 20% plus. Uh, international markets are, are nearly up uh, double digits, depending upon where you're looking. And um, to your point, you know we can do continue to hit new highs. Mm -hmm. and, and now we got the summer months in the rear view. You know, what do you think we should expect from here? And I guess my question is really targeted around: you know, Have we pulled forward a lot of 2021 and, and perhaps beyond? There, there's a there's a good likelihood we have. Um, you know, I'm not. If you look at the volatility measures, they do not yet indicate that we're going to see a big pullback. And what I mean by that is the range for volatility and implied volatility for both large cap indices and small cap indices continue to consolidate and probe at lower lows and lower highs, and that's a fairly healthy environment. That said, those can reverse very quickly, um, and we're getting into a very seasonally weak period, so it wouldn't surprise me if we see a, the typical pullback in this September-October period. Um, and then, you know, we may see some performance chasing into year end. Uh, but your, your point is well taken that to the extent we see that, we probably have pulled a lot of 2022 forward. Um, it's really going to depend on, you know, what policy levers and what growth uh, looks like going into 2022 um, before we can move materially higher from here. Uh, and and you, you, know, you just described, you know, seasonally weak periods, what policy levers, you know, I, I guess that would like to look at that a little bit further. So if we do see economic weakness, you know, what policies do the Fed and does Congress have at their disposal? Yeah, I think that's my biggest concern as we look out over the next 12 months is we've really exhausted the limits of monetary policy and we've known that for some time. That said, with the pandemic and the massive deflationary force, we could unleash just an incredible amount of excess liquidity to drive a wealth effect and drive economic activity and replace uh, personal income. Um, I think we're gonna move into a fairly weak period into 2022. Uh, we know there's a lot of double ordering across supply chains, so I think the weakness is gonna come and come rather quickly. And because inflationary pressures remain elevated and we can't ignore what's happened with the dollar, the dollar just continues to fail um, and continues to want to go lower. And we kind of saw a bit of a breakout in the Euro this week. Um, and at the same time, when we got very weak job data today, the 10-year yields went up. And this is the second time we saw that. We saw that with COVID. When things broke down, the 10-year Treasury was not a safe haven. It actually went up. And I think that's indicative of a secular downturn in the dollar. 
and underlying, and what that's going to do is promote and sustain underlying inflationary pressures. So I think that takes monetary policy off the table to a large extent. Maybe they can delay a taper, but they really can't increase QE without a lot of downside in the market. And then you turn and say, well, what about fiscal policy? And the issue we have with fiscal policy is both political and economic. From an economic standpoint, if you look at the trailing three years data, a dollar borrowed and spent by fiscal authorities from a deficit position is generating less than a dollar of economic value, which means deficit spending is not conducive to economic growth. And in fact, it actually may be uh, detrimental to economic growth. Now, that includes the COVID period, so let's take it with a grain of salt, but it could be we're finally reaching the limits of deficit spending. And even if we're not from an economic standpoint, we may be politically. You know, when we look at the uh, Governor Newsom recall election, should that swing to um, a Republican governor? Um, that could be a clear sign of what we're going to see at the midterms. Just given the, the, the balance within the Senate and the House of Representatives, uh, it's already going to be very difficult to pass a stimulus bill. It's going to be incredibly difficult to pass the proposed budget. Um, and quite frankly, you know, just looking at history, you have to expect the balance to tip in favor of the Republicans in either the House or the Senate or potentially both. And what we're going to see going into midterms is a deadlocked uh, Congress from a stimulus standpoint, probably at a time when we're going to see a lot of weakness. And so, you, you know, that's going to be an issue. It's not going to be as smooth sailing as what we've seen in prior periods where we needed to stimulate and we could just crank up QE or crank up a little bit of deficit spending. We've done that. Um, and so we need to do it to an even greater degree to have a positive impact. And I don't think that's available from a monetary policy standpoint, given inflationary pressures remain elevated. And I certainly don't think we're there politically. And I don't see those two situations getting any better. Um, so I, you know, if it plays out with more weakness and hands are tied somewhat from a fiscal policy standpoint and monetary policy standpoint, I see a lot of volatility in 2022 for sure. Yeah, well, that's 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 great, and, and thank you for sharing that. And you know, I think this is a, a good place to look out or lock it up for today. But um, you know, to your points, right? We we certainly do have a, a much more challenging road ahead if we can't just continue to flood the market with liquidity. And, and there's far more obstacles than we've seen over uh, the recent past. So, um, yep. with that, Chris, uh, thanks for joining us, and we'll have you on here soon. You bet. Thanks, Dan. The views, information, and or opinions expressed during this podcast are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of Von Nelson and its employees. Von Nelson does not verify and assumes no responsibility for the accuracy of any of the information contained in the podcast. The primary purpose of the information, opinions, and thoughts presented in this podcast is to educate and inform. This podcast, or any podcast in the series, does not constitute professional investment advice or services, and any reliance on the information provided is done at your own risk. Past performance is not an indication of future performance. By accessing this podcast, you acknowledge that the entire contents of this podcast are the property of Von Nelson and, or used by Von Nelson with permission and are protected under U.S. copyright and trademark laws.